Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, currently featuring Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Miraculous Ladybug, Star Wars Rebels, Ruby, and Adventure Time. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Delaney Stilval. Yo. Today, Delaney and I will be discussing the latest episode of Ruby, Beginning of the End, I believe, Volume 3, Chapter 7. Uh, we cover Ruby every week here on the Overly Animated Podcast, and uh, you can check us out at OverlyAnimated.com for all of our links. Uh, spoilers for this episode and all of Ruby, I want to get right into it because you, you know this one's going to be long. Let's, uh, let's get into Beginning of the End. Delaney, what did you think? Um... I don't know if I can say if I liked it or didn't like it. I know I definitely didn't like the format of this episode. Well, okay. Um, yeah. We'll like, I liked, this. like, I liked the voiceovers for a little bit. Um, but like, as they continued, they got really annoying. Did, did you think it, it was like annoying or confusing? What was the main problem? Both? Like, cause it's annoying because it's confusing. Okay. And I mean, that can be a purposeful thing, but then to, one, we haven't had an episode in a while, so then to have this episode and be like, I have no idea who's talking right now. I, I and, definitely think the structure that they released the episodes in was bad. Like, I, like th- this episode should should have aired immediately after last week's. It's clearly like yes. part two of it, right? So yeah, like they should have aired together. And I mean, I other than that, I mean, I liked like the content, like what we got, and I were finally making well. Uh, I will talk about it. Okay, yeah, maybe really I'll I'll try to influence you on this. So I have I have mixed, so, I have mixed okay. feelings here, but it's about the show and not the episode. So last week, or you know, whenever that aired, um, chapter six, uh, we kind of tore apart on this podcast, and like it was really bad. Uh, but now we get what I think is perhaps the best episode of all of Ruby. Um, and maybe I'll try to convince you on that. But it's this episode worked on. I think every single level. Um, I think that concerns about the format are uh, are warranted. I my initial reaction. I mean, I've watched it twice. I'll probably need to watch it a few more times to like. That, it's that type of episode to like fully have a grasp on whether it succeeded and what it's trying to do. I will say that if you watch it the second time and like really try to figure out who's talking, then it's very easy. Uh, well, I will. I will say like I knew who was talking probably eighty five percent of the time. It was just like. I'm, I have very, I have mixed feelings about how this works because of how Carmilla does this, and it gets really irritating when you do it more than once. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I mean, if they if it's only been twice in the episode, I've been like, okay, but like doing it as transitions, like I understand, like from a stylistic standpoint, why to do it, but then it's also like irritating as a viewer. And when we have an episode that's only like 16 minutes long, it's annoying. This is this is a really risky format using these vo- ambiguous voiceovers in order to transition between your backstory exposition however and especially with characters you don't know too well it, that's true um that changes this episode but that is true uh however i believe that i think th- i believe that the show pulls it off largely due to the sound mixing um which i which i think is excellent like everything sound wise in this episode continues to be incredible um yes. so but i would like but props beyond J- you know jeff williams for this one because it, it goes to the sound mixers and level and stuff like that um i i i okay so here's what the episode does incredibly because i i just claim this is maybe the best episode in show history let me defend that uh first we get some of the best exposition we've had i mean the show has had some really good exposition uh primarily in volume in volume one um but we haven't had in a while and this is really necessary because we just kept complaining about how we know nothing 
talking about the villains, right? Um, and this kind of solves that really, um, except for Cinder. Uh, yeah. but we're getting there with her and they're clearly building up to something. Um, we will check in on uh, Big Bad Watch later on because there's a voiceover that has to do with that. Um, we This episode has an, an absolutely incredible fight scene with Amber and uh, our three our three villains. Uh, I, I really loved it. I think it was excellently executed. Monty, again, was credited on this episode. I, I strongly believe that he was involved in this fight scene, um, which, you know, shows that he was really just working on the important stuff from the season early on. Uh, and this was probably like in the, in the, the structure of the season, this was probably like the first thing they planned, this two episode arc. Um, like I, I just, I, if you look at this specific episode, um, from the backstory, which I thought was really good and fascinating, and I thought it was like just enough. I thought the voiceovers were basically just clear enough while still being a little bit mysterious. I thought the fight scene was really incredible. And, um, the ending was, uh, of course, we're going back to something I disliked, so it's not going to be as good as the rest. But they kind of <laughs> they kind of made something of it, and they like if it was if the conclusion was it was Neo, then I would have been really pissed. And the conclusion being it, it is Ember, I'm still pissed, but like slightly less pissed because at least we knew she was there. Um, yeah. em- Emerald, not Ember. Yeah, Emerald. Um, and it's uh, on my outline. I have Ember, Amber, um, Emerald. Yeah, because Amber uh, Cinder is controlling embers and stuff like that uh it's yeah so i think that this being an explanation for last week is like slightly more satisfying although there was absolutely no way we could have guessed this last week podcast we said it was definitely neo and her illusions turns out there's another person who can do illusions in the group um uh i at least they explained it here and they give us a lot of backstory for what happened uh and that that being said so like the positive is the content of the episode the negative is we're still we still have a context of really negative plot, really like unexciting plot going on. Like, well, I- we also like we found out background things, but the thing, what I don't like about this episode is, yes, I do enjoy seeing things I already know, but like if I had seen this maybe earlier, like we're just going back, like we haven't le- the only new stuff we've learned are char- is about the characters, which I'm very pleased about. I'm very glad to hear about background, about Emerald, especially Mercury, because all of a sudden, like Mercury's really interesting now, as opposed to like he was just really boring in there and I didn't understand him. So this is really neat, but are you sorry? Is, um, is the is the point that the exposition doesn't explain plot stuff? Um, well, well, what I'm saying, well, no, what I'm saying is that like we got the exposition, which is great, but the other stuff that happened, we already knew had happened. We just hadn't seen. Yeah, it. so everything does this episode, everything like, this episode, does, everything that happened, in the episode we knew. Yeah, it, it we we heard about it last week. Correct. Yes. So uh, I I don't know. I don't yeah. really have a big problem. So it's with nice that. to see it. The whole season we've been complaining. There's no plot movement. And yeah, I really love the exposition in this episode. Yet, I mean, I love to hear more about. You know, we've been we've also been complaining about these villains. We don't know anything about them, but I don't know. Like for me, I can't say. Like I definitely can't agree. This is the best episode of the entire show. When I don't really like the structure that much. Like I can appreciate it for like what it does, but I don't really like it. They do it too much. They do too much of the voice overlay, and especially when we have no plot movement. Like yes, we got to see what happened we like they kind of ex- they explained like what we he- what we had seen last last where however long ago we watched but we didn't find out anything really new like 
I mean, yes, I, I'm glad, like, yeah, I'm glad we know Emerald, like, that she can do, like, and which also actually speaks to semblances and, like, people can have identical semblances, which I don't, I think is a revolutionary concept. We didn't, we had no idea. Granted, we don't know anything who's about the, semblances. Who's the, who's the identical semblances? Neo, right? Uh, I, I, I think they're going for, like, illusions in two different ways. Yeah. Yeah, like, Neo can, like, distort reality, whereas, um, Emerald ha- can only change a person person's mind right so yeah, i think she can, like produce so i guess those are those aren't really identical uh but, yeah i i'm 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 i think your criticisms of the episode structure do have to do with your enjoyment i'm i'm more skeptical of like saying this episode isn't is only okay because there's no movement like i think in the past this season there's been other episodes we've complained about where they're not doing anything but we've still been able to like enjoy them in a vacuum but but it's annoying in that like the there, there really is no new content in this episode aside from the exposition of the characters. Like everything that we saw, we already knew. Yeah, I, I mean, my, I guess my response is I basically don't care right now. I think episode six changed a lot. Um, so there's, I, I'm not gonna say that I'm very happy with the show overall right now because there's the only, the only reason this episode is okay is because episode six was terrible. Like, it, 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 the fact, the reason, like, th- this, like, coasts on the last episode. Um, yeah. but I don't know. I just, I really, like, this one, I, I was able to view this and, uh, I think we disagree about the quality, the episode's quality in a vacuum as well. Um, but I also think that, like, we should try to evaluate this one on its own. That being said, like, uh, well, evaluating on its own, the episode's even worse than it is. <laughs> well, why is oh? Because you don't know what happened. Is that well, it's it? because like I don't, I do not like the structure of this episode. Okay. I do not like if they had done the overlay, maybe just twice. But like, and I understand doing it from a transitional standpoint, but it gets really irritating. Like about the third time, like I'm over it. And like I appreciate, like I know why they're doing it. I appreciate it, but I don't like it. And I don't think it's a really good way to struct like. Now, I, I will say, what I will give credit to this episode for is I'm really glad we had a villains-only episode. I think that's great. I think that's a wonderful thing, and we need more like them, because we have no idea what's going on. There's no sense of urgency. Like, what are we even watching? Yeah, this was very needed, as we talked about. Like, um, we... I really like that part of it, but the episode itself, like, there's no new information. There's, like, the, I don't like the structure. Um, The fight is great, and Emerald and Mercury, that's awesome, but... It's kind of like I would I would liken it to obviously in a bit more of a serious nature, but it's not unlike Tales of Boss Sing Say from Avatar in that like it's episodic and does that make sense? Uh I would it's it's a character driven no, okay, so Tales of Bossing Say like couldn't focus on anything and it didn't really have any character movement and it also wasn't related to the plot at all, whereas this one is showing us plot things and um has a lot of good character work and isn't uh and is pretty focused i would say like i think this episode is 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 i I think i know it moves around but like i think it's pretty well focused in its structure like you could argue i I think you're complaining about like the way the episode um executes on uh like flashbacks and stuff like that like you're irritated by the voiceover i do think going from uh, one to the other to the other, and then to seeing what happens with Amber. Like, I think it all makes sense, and I think it's very coherent. No, it makes sense. I just don't like it. Like, I don't like. Sure, it's also sure, very sure. Weird. Okay. Like, um, th- this is the only episode we have like this, and it's a very 
abrupt change. It's very like it doesn't. Agree, but I think what we've been getting, show, what we've been getting, sense. wasn't working. So I'm kind of happy to change. Uh, I like. I think this to me, this is most similar to uh, our Weiss and uh, Winter episode, the last, the latter one we got, which had some really great character work there among um, kind of no plot movement, and I. Uh, and I was very happy with that one, and I'm even more happy with this one. I'll continue to. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say this character. It, um, it's not. It's not as good. Yeah, but like it does overall. The episode I think is much better because it does well, much more interesting things overall. But well, I don't I know. Say- we disagree on the quality. I, I would. I still heavily disagree on the use of the voiceovers and stuff like that. I do think if this was like a bigger budgeted show, like we wouldn't do that every single time. But at the same time, I think they make it work. I am. I mean, I understand. I mean, I understand like why they have to. I mean, because it would be. And this would it would this episode would have taken like three episodes if they didn't do those. But let's let's get into some of the of the content here. Um, oh, just to note, uh, there was a post put out like yesterday, I think, by someone in the crew on Rooster Teeth saying basically uh, content warning for younger audiences from here on out in ruby which is a little odd um that's weird they're like this has kind of been a kid sh- this is the show that we've heard that kids watch up until now uh from here on out it's going to be pretty dark is what they said and they kind of compare it to avatar the difference between season one and later on they mentioned harry potter as well um they're like as the show grows so does the kind of content involved which makes sense and we'll uh, be talking about avatar the last airbender a talk well, well likening episode, it but. to avatar and harry potter makes it i think that it's not like it makes that's less weird what do you mean because i mean well if you first you read something like that and you're like oh okay this is gonna get bad but no if it's like avatar and harry potter it's not gonna be like i mean yeah i mean i do think i do think this episode is much darker than the rest of the show but not by like a lot no yeah i mean we do have you know mercury and his dead dad there and we have and we have a little bit more blood in this episode and violet like granted the show's always violet like they're always fighting uh well yeah uh it's there's the the end of the fight scene i think is rougher with uh the stealing of the powers they well, did it's, well it's this explicitly. episode you, and you can clearly tell when they're fighting that they are fighting like it's differently when you have ruby and them fighting grim because like grim aren't people they're, yeah, they're like, just it, video game things yeah yeah it's like video game but this you have more there is a very more clear intent to kill and especially get, since we know the background of like what they're doing, it, we especially know more the intent and what's going on. And I, that does make it darker. Like they're going, they're trying to kill her. Let's, let's talk about power. this for a second because, um, while I have basically zero complaints about the episode itself, I really don't like, uh, where the, I still don't like the plot direction. Um, like our, my complaints from last episode still are very, still are very much the same. Um, like this episode, like we have, okay, so, what what this post makes it seem like is what the last episode make it made seem like like okay we're just gonna introduce completely new plot elements and take the show in a different direction now which uh if you're gonna compare this to avatar and harry potter that's not what those series do they have make it they make a gradual change um it just it gets darker as things progress it's just it's 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 hard to even notice where the difference is in in both series like uh there's a there's a very slow transition but within but what we're seeing here with ruby is they said okay volume three episode six that's the beginning of ruby part two where uh things are gonna be darker we're gonna introduce the maidens and completely new mythology and that's just really really a dumb narrative and it's still really bad. Uh, we still have a really bad overall narrative with, um, 
what's going on with the tournament. The tournament's irrelevant. Uh, their plan, their plan is, is, as we see at the end of the episode, is to get more Grimm involved, which is still really dumb and doesn't and make now sense to me. And now they've um, framed it in terms of a revolution of what? Yeah, what are you? It's you. You need to present bigger objectives here. Also, we get the impression we'll talk about this later that Cinder's now working for someone. Like yes. so, that's dumb and bad. Like you need to. We we don't know what why they're doing what they're doing. We don't really know what they're doing overall. And we don't even know who's doing it. So as much as this episode helps the people we see on camera, it doesn't give us uh, enough overall plot. So like. My my viewpoint is I, I think that's that's I think that's why I'm more down on this episode than you are because this bothers me more than like the character stuff does not make up for this for me if that makes sense I mean see yeah so I think I think that what everything I just said is problems with the season and definitely not with this episode though um, the only parts that are related to this episode are the ending scenes like we see the continuation of last time and i i could see hating that the ending scenes i think they're fine i think they're like the bare minimum but i think the rest of the episode that doesn't involve the the conclusion of you know uh yang and what happens with her i think is brilliant imo again um so let's let's get into some some specifics here so there's a lot to there's a lot presented here that's kind of new and and a lot to figure out with these voiceovers. I've kind of transcribed them all, and I'm pretty sure I have everything that happens down. Um, so the set, this episode is divided into segments. We have uh, Cinder recruiting Emerald. We have Cinder recruiting Mercury. Cinder proposing something to Adam and the White Fang. Um, we have the longest scene, which is attacking Amber, Amber, Amber. And then we have uh, going back to Adam and the conclusion later. So... Uh, let's, let's take the segments. The first of, first of all is the Emerald scene. What do you think of this concept of Emerald being kind of like this, uh, I don't know how to describe her, street urchin, like this kind of, uh, like, like street thief. Rat. Yeah, street rat. Uh, did you, did you, was this how you envisioned, uh, Emerald's past when you thought of her? No, but it's not really, it can't really, it can't, like, it's not bad. You can't really see it. The thing is, you can't see anything in this episode as a shock, except, possibly mercury because of course that's going to be surprising is that you can't like we had no information on these characters like they we've just seen them as they are there's no way to um really predict or even like i hadn't even thought about it because like you just see the characters as they are and as we get with ruby a lot we don't really get a lot of exposition so i like it doesn't shock me i think it's fine uh, I definitely enjoyed the dialogue, even though I hate the voiceover. I do enjoy like the I I enjoy everything that happened, and I think it's interesting. And I really enjoyed where it's like you'll never be hungry again, and like very and we're seeing a lot of the way Cinder can manipulate people. So I yeah I agree with a lot of what you just said. Like involving it's like okay Emerald's past like we just had no concept you know of what of what she was right. So it's I mean it's also very basic. Like I mean it's not really like it's nothing new. Like, the one thing that this episode does really well, and like I'm very proud of uh, like it doing that, and I think this is some of the best character work that. Miles and Carrie have been a part of is uh, it really reinforces and gives us a foundation to the relationships between Cinder, Emerald, and Mercury. I think that the dynamic between Emerald and Mercury is kind of rivals. Like that felt right to me. That's like okay, that fits yeah. with what we've seen and kind of the deferential aspect both have towards Cinder, especially the "You'll Never Be Hungry Again" thing that you mentioned. That also feels really right and. Uh, this is, I feel like this was just really perfect in reinforcing the small amounts of, uh, relationships that we've seen between the villains. Yep. 
I definitely, and maybe even, maybe we could even have a hint of maybe Emerald like Cinder or something. Who knows? We still haven't found the mysterious gay character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We apparently it's the season, and the season's winding down. Um, let's okay. Where's gay? So, so hashtag. Well, I, I called it something before. I don't remember what I called it. Anyway, well, we were gay. Well, we were gay watch for a while. Uh, hashtag Ruby Gay Watch Two K Sixteen. Now there you go. Yep. And then now is included in the hashtag. Okay, so. Yeah, so the let's go over the voice. We're gonna. I'm gonna read the voiceovers. So the voiceovers transition into the scene. The first one we have, uh, we hear someone saying, "I want to be strong. I want to be feared. I want to be powerful." And then there's also stuff about Emerald stealing a ring. That that part's pretty straightforward. But the ambiguous one is, "I want to be strong. I want to be feared. I want to be powerful." I think this is Cinder talking. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, I I'm pretty sure this is like them stating her motivation. In the beginning, it's like, oh, is she monologuing or is she talking to someone? It's a little like that's a part like that's part. Some of these voiceovers, it gets a little weird. Like it's like because then and they're and it's really hard to have a transition when you have a black screen and they're just talking. Like there's no way to transition into a different part of the dialogue. I suppose I would have preferred something on the screen. I, I kind of I kind of like love how they do multiple lines of dialogue interspersed in the in in these transitions though. Like while still making it somewhat coherent um it's like to me okay so let me compare this to and and no spoilers but uh star wars force awakens there is a a montage of backstory i know what you're talking about it's very it's very prominent what i'm talking about um and like to me that moves I, i think they do they do it intentionally but that moves really fast the first time you watch it you have no idea what happens and like unless you're looking out for stuff it's just really hard to tell what that montage is is showing what it means for the characters i i felt like this is a much more clearer uh like montage of backstory to me like i like first the the first time watching i kind of understood what they're saying and the second time watching i completely got 100 percent. i mean there's also is something like to the black screen that it makes you focus on the voices maybe yeah you're not distracted by whatever's going on yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this is I, I I again I do really and like I I feel like this is just at least they're like trying to be ambitious about uh, about this. It's like I I like the show trying to be do ambitious narrative. Um, like you're not gonna how ambitious can you really be with the animation or anything yeah. like that? Like th- I feel like this is the right direction for the show to ge- show to be in like ambitious narrative within the confines of your production and i feel like this is perfect with the and i will say like again like i've been complaining about it the whole time but for me it's just how many times it happened like i don't really like if it like this is fine it, like i enjoy this like narratively and i want them to do interesting things with the narrative and how they're going to tell us it and like like well like they played with the animation when they were telling us the story of the new mythology yeah i mean i don't yeah you're it happens five times i don't necessarily yeah. disagree that it's it's too much uh, that it's a lot i don't feel like strongly either way about that i do at the very least each one tells us stuff right so that's, yeah that's, it does yeah so this i think i think this first one is maybe the most unnecessary but i'm not sure like we get stuff with the ring but we also learn that exactly from the scene like i think that's yeah like it didn't yeah necessary. i do agree that this one wasn't necessary and cinder stating her motives was a good intro like but it's 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 also doesn't tell us much okay so the you know the thing is emerald uh vanished the ring before the jeweler's eyes and he smiled uh and emerald here pretty thin with a long ponytail and her guns right um what do you think of her what do you think of her design the backstory you're fine with all of it 
I mean, there's nothing, I mean, there's no real way to be upset with it aside from like, it's very like, I, I think the complaint would before. be that it's not distinctive enough. This is a very yeah. tropey introduction. Um, you know, this is typically the typical orphan street rat, right? We see it all, all the time. So, yeah. so uh, I, I'm fine with it though. Like it's fine. It works. I liked, I I liked their design. So it was, it was okay. Um, it and, it gives, a, and it says a lot to Cinder to Cinder's character where she would recruit a street rat. Yeah, it's I'm not sure what it says, but well, I mean, it either it can either speak to like she's looking at abilities, she's good at seeing potential, or she does not care. She's desperate. I think it's probably to show that she sees abilities. Um, the, the, a complaint about this episode is that still leaves Cinder very ambiguous. Uh, this is like the most we've seen of Cinder, and still we know nothing about her, right? So uh, she does hit Emerald. She does hit Emerald. Yes. Uh, so, I mean. I mean, granted, again, that doesn't tell us, like, a whole lot, but, like, she hits Emerald, and, like, we haven't seen, we actually haven't seen that before, like, she, we haven't, like, when I mean, the scenes we've had with him together, she doesn't, you wouldn't have predicted this outcome. Very you much, very much she, a power dynamic, and, like, very, very clearly deferential to, yeah. yeah, to her, and we see the beginnings of why it is. The second voiceover, um, you will question everything you know, and think Cinder to Emerald, this is impossible, I wish to take on an apprentice, says Cinder... Um, this part's a little confusing, presumably talking to someone. He lives in the mountains with his son, like trying, I don't, but he's an assassin. So why would you want to take him on as apprentice? I don't know. Uh, Well, I guess unless she she, specifically meant his son, she meant Mercury. No, I I think it's clear based on the scene that they're looking for the father. Yeah, I know. And that's what, that's what, that's the part that doesn't make any sense. I wish to take on apprentice. He lives in the mountains with his son is a confusing set of lines. Uh, I don't understand in what context it makes sense. Like, I think she's fishing for information and they're showing us that, but like, how would you, why would you fish for information about an assassin? Uh, cause then like she wouldn't take, cause she, you wouldn't, I mean, especially like the connotations with the word apprentice, you, it'd be someone, typically someone young. Um, if it's a grown man who's an assassin, he doesn't really sound like apprentice yeah, material. I, yeah, I don't understand that. I think maybe I'm missing something. Um, so like, well, for me, it would, for me, it would, I would take the only way for me that it would make sense is she's is looking for Mercury, but she's like hiding her intentions or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it says apprentice and then he says he lives with his son, right? Well, so. granted, she could be, she could have just been finding information on the assassin because she knew he had a son. But, I, mean, I don't, don't know. know. It's, I don't think it's that important. I think it's clear that she's fishing for info. And yeah. basically what the voiceovers do is we're interspersing the dynamics of the previous flashback with the setup for the new one. Um, and then she, and then she's like, do you have any, are you anything like your father? And it's like, this really doesn't make any sense. So, okay, let, let me, let's finish the voiceover. Follow me and you'll never be hungry again. Thank you. Right. So we, we talked about yeah. that. Um, so yeah, we have Merc with his, Mercury with his dead father, Marcus. Um, we see that his legs are bandaged in the scene. This is the, the, uh, the, the playthrough with Mercury's legs is one I did not fully pick up on in the first viewing I had of this episode. We have here, his legs are bandaged. And then later we have the reveal during the fight that he has robot legs. To me, I didn't see that. I saw later when, uh, later when, you know, in the final scene, it's obvious he does, but this is a little, certain things I wonder if are a little too subtle. This is maybe one of them. Well, well, no, I mean, I saw that he had metal legs when during the fight. What I don't understand is the bandaged legs. Like, where is, like, yeah, this is the, so- yeah, this is the problem. Like, why does his be- legs being burned lead to him losing his legs? Well, cause one, he's standing and yeah. his legs he's, are bandaged. He's standing, so either, right? yeah. so either, like, he just got new prosthetic legs, which that would make sense. That's fine. 
or they were so badly damaged at that point. I have to that... assume that that's what the episode's going for, right? Is that yeah. his legs were damaged in the fire. Um, but it doesn't really make sense. So. But then he's standing. He's I mean, standing. granted, you can be, granted, you can always be like kind of okay and then like, then find out later that no, it's, irreparable damage i guess yeah and i guess i guess like they're burned and then they can't recover after that you know like they develop something afterwards i would take i actually would take it more as like he maybe had like i actually kind of took it because from watching especially from watching how to train your dragon and like how the bandages (laughs) are and like how hiccup cheats his leg i figured it was um that he had prosthetic legs already and they were maybe like poorly made prosthetics. Like maybe they were wooden and like you have to bandage your legs if they're bad. Granted, it was also over his clothes. It just, it doesn't make a lot I, of sense. I, I assume that is not what they are going for because that makes less sense, but it's possible. Um, well, it makes more sense to me actually that he already has prosthetic legs and he, they like get him better prosthetic legs because. It makes, maybe it makes more sense like logically. I think narratively that doesn't work well, as well. Well, for me, for, the reason I mean logically is because. He are, how he's able to fight so well because you it would you know it would take a while to get used to being able to fight with prosthetic legs so well, i mean he did defeat his fully assassin father um i i do think the show is is i don't know I, i'm it's just my interpretation and sometimes we get too sad in how we interpret media but i do think it was trying to demonstrate that his legs got burned in the fire but um we have yeah that was that was basically it, and he's pretty angry there um Thoughts on this as a backstory for Mercury? Like, I think this makes sense with what we've seen, him kind of just being this blob of competence, right? Like, an, an, an assassin's son. I guess that makes sense. And it's, um, and I think it is really interesting, like, especially, like, um, the prosthetic leg thing is just blew my mind, simply because, because we were talking to him, like, he, he sacrificed his leg. Yeah, like, yeah. Let him break his leg, and that... That's what I think is the really interesting part is that like that completely like solved that problem. I agree. It's interesting. I wonder, really I wonder if it's way. good. I wonder if it's good. It's, well, it's, it's almost, that was like one of the more interesting parts of the ending to me is like, wow, Mercury is really, is really dedicated. And like, yeah, and now even that's, and now even that's removed. So what did I even like from the end of last episode? Nothing. Right? You know, that's, I guess that's what, what I am on that. Uh, it's definitely interesting and it's, and it's another thing you couldn't have predicted. Like who would have predicted this? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think someone probably did. Some I I saw that someone at least predicted uh, Emerald being the one who did the illusion, which I don't understand how we would know. Uh, I was definitely. It's not like we were. I was like telling you that it was Neo, and it's not like that was out of line with everyone. Yeah. That. So, um, I think what's really interesting about this Mercury scene is that like, most of the time for these, for the villains that we see, it's like okay, they steal stuff. They set Grinham on people, but we never really see anyone die. Like whatever, they're they're likable, and we they're not even that bad, right? So, but, but Mercury he, killed somebody. Mercury just killed his father, right? So this this sets a completely new tone for his character. Uh, yes, I, I I think that like when I see him, he will not be sympathetic. I mean, he was barely a person. He was like yeah. barely cared about him at all. Now, so this like definitely will influence my perception of him. Um, I do like that they're making things more serious. That makes sense for and we are and then also we can't even complain that mercury like oh he has a more interesting backstory than emerald no they really do both just have like basic They're both like basic. yeah i don't think the one's more interesting like, um i by i i, 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 I what i mean by that is i like that or but the thing i said before i like that we're getting the villains like actually are yes. bad bad people you know mm-hmm. or like they're self-serving i mean it's you know we don't know maybe maybe mercury he was mercury obviously had a terrible person to the father maybe he was trying to kill him or something right you know yeah. it, it could i mean 
did he burn down the entire house? Were there other family members there? I, presumably not. Um, but you know, it it seems it seems malicious because the house is burning, right? It's yes, you know, like definitely he, okay. So I I don't know. I just think this is a interesting place to take a, a kind of a blob of a character. I think it's a good a good idea to go with him. I don't know if everyone agrees with Mercury not being. He certainly had no development before, right? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I mean, the only Emerald, like, we, I mean, we both like Emerald, but it's not like Emerald really had a lot of development either. Like, em- Emerald, at the very least, we saw being two-faced a lot with our main yeah, characters, so she had some interesting stuff going on there. But also, I just like Emerald more, you know? So there's that. Uh, so now let's transition to our scene with Adam, uh, who we finally get. We've been waiting for Adam all season since the finale of last episode. So the voiceover. Um, so what's in it for me, says Mercury. Um, we don't need him. Everything was going fine, says Emerald, and she gets slapped, we hear. Uh, Do not mistake your place, says Cinder. My dad always said, if you need to know a city, ask the rats, says uh, Mercury. And then we hear, well, hello, gorgeous. So the first set of lines are really good and like really interesting character yeah. dynamic building. We talked about that. Then there's those last two. And I think my dad always said, if you need to know a city as the rats was talking about why they should go to Adam for help. Yeah. yeah. Because the, they're the, the oppressed people. They're, they're the faunus. So yeah. Um, so that's transitioning into our current scene, but then we have, well, hello, gorgeous. So to me, the only person that this could sound like if it's a known character is Roman. Um, yeah. I'm not going to confer. I don't, I didn't like try to listen to his voice and listen to this, but this is something Roman would say. It kind of sounded like him. Um, and Roman is referenced in the scene. So I guess it makes sense to bring him up there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess this is him meeting her. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, don't I, know. I see. I think that these, um, I think that these voiceovers kind of work. I think that they work better in the context of, of the viewing of the episode than they do by breaking them down. Um, yeah. Like, I almost think they're more artistic than, uh, like, like literal. It's like, it's supposed to, they're, they, they're supposed to happen fast. They're supposed to be a little disorienting. They're supposed to just frame of, frame our reference from one scene to the next. Yeah, no, they're just, I mean, it's, we're getting, we're getting thrown through a really rough sketch of a timeline. Like, that's what this is. Which is what they're trying, for sure what they're trying to do, yeah. And it's like, it's like when you're reading a book and, like, it's different, like, when you watch a flashback or something on, um, in a movie, it's very different from reading one and how they've structured it is how you would read a flashback. Like, how you would read a series of scenes. Like, this is, like, that's how this is. Because typically when you're, reading a book that has a scene like that or if you're writing a scene like that you do it mostly through dialogue and that's what that's what they're doing like this is much more literary than visual which is of course is why there's no scene like it's black and they're just listening to it so it's like why why do you throw in lines like well hello gorgeous and um cinder's kind of motivations in the beginning well it's to kind of frame the viewer for what's to what's to come and like what to just kind of give general character moments it doesn't need to be directly related and it's and it's also um foreshadowing because the only reason to have scenes like this is we're building Cinder up. We're building the villains up to a point, which finally we're getting to this point where we're building something to something. Yeah, because, they're, they're, like all these flashbacks are telling us the story of Cinder, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so you have these lines here, like, hello, gorgeous, and these things that are framing the foreshadowing of what is to come, like foreshadowing some something Cinder will do or, like, what's to happen, like – because that's that's what you do in a flashback, especially in a book, is that you throw in things like that that don't seem important, but they will be later, and that's why, and they seem out of place on purpose because you're supposed to notice them. So what I'd argue is that uh, 
I, I view these as just really successful in, in what they're setting out to do, which is not to give necessarily concrete linear, uh, linear development of plot, but to kind of give, uh, character framing and, um, framing us for the transition between scenes. I just, I just really like what, I like this one too. I don't know. This, this, this voiceover, um, that's just this this exchange of dialogue in the beginning is just really great um some of the best i mean this is kind of a condemnation of the rest of the show but we don't normally get good good expository dialogue about character sure. relationships like this um so yeah this scene with uh them going up to adam um i think that this is probably one of the weaker parts of the episode it's not necessarily super interesting to me it's kind of obvious what's happening the entire time and it's yeah. only interesting once we learn when it is at the end so adam's talking uh he's like why are you talking to me about this and says they need his skills um i kind of i so I, like at the very least i like uh like i buy cinder's explanation of uh why they're approaching adam i it's it's, it's like it's super vague and kind of unimpressive plot wise but i guess it kind of makes sense that she would need to go to the white fang do you agree with that um well I do, and then also I think it's more of a natural, like, we have to go to the White Fang so they can reject us and we can come back and beat them up and do it. Like, I feel like it's more, like, clearly, You think that, you think like, that was her intent, was to be rejected the first time? Uh, I don't... Well, she definitely wasn't surprised that she was rejected. I mean, obviously she's a human going to the fondest, like, revolutionary group. Yeah. Clearly this wasn't going to pan out well. And I think she... And I, I mean... Cinder, like, none, the, this entire time, nothing Cinder has done has been, like, off the cuff. Like, Cinder is a very careful, meticulous planner. And I do think that, and it, you, I think this is clear not only in her actions, but kind of, like, how we see Cinder and, like, how she's portrayed in the show and how her mannerisms are. Apparently, we don't know a ton about her, but I do think this was carefully planned and she was definitely ready for this outcome. And whether the White Fang joined before she had, um, ember's power or after it didn't matter she was going to get her way so um i think she was definitely prepared for this outcome i don't know if i don't necessarily know if she expected it fully but it certainly didn't like it didn't bother her to come back later and like beat everyone up so yeah i i think prepared is a good way to put it it's not like she planned this but is prepared in case of it it's hard to tell when cinder's surprised i don't think we've ever seen her like show the emotion right. surprised uh maybe and I, don't even think, and I don't even think we've had a moment where she would be surprised anyway maybe because... the one exception is that like ending scene in their dorm room in the room earlier this season when they learned the crow was here they seemed a little shaken yeah. up about that but yeah, they seem weird but like seriously, I mean that's why Cinder's kind of like an un- an uninteresting character. Like I love Cinder, and there's a lot of people who love Cinder, but it's not very interesting when your villain is just completely in control the entire time and you don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, when you have a completely stoic. Yeah. Also, I know it's like hypersexual, but I really enjoyed like the constant like heels. Like I don't know, for me it's for, like uh. I understand it's hypersexual, but it's also but you can all, a lot of it when you have a female villain, it's also like. I've also I've always identified like heels with um, power, like feminist power and doing things like that. And I do understand it is also sexual, but I don't I like it doesn't bother me. Like I like because you can I didn't like in a, it's also part of like reclaiming things like that. For me, feminist power. I enjoyed the heels. Those are things that I like because that is something that's how I identify with it. And I and that's part I think of reclamation of things like that. That's interesting because that might have been my biggest complaint with the entire episode. Like I was, I was no, like I, she, at one point she was fight, I saw she was fighting in heels and I was like, what? What do I, I, it's, you, you bring up reclaiming things. Um, it's really hard to, 
to discuss things that are reclaimed. We you get into this in in dialogue all the time in in progressive groups and stuff like that. It's it's just impossible to to debate it. Um, I, yeah. I think the surface level critique criticism, which I naturally had while watching, was. And of course, you need to make Cinder look pretty. She needs to be wearing heels, even though it makes yeah. no sense when she's fighting. And your argument is like that this is a, uh, or your interpretation was, uh, this is kind of a, a feminist thing. And I, I can see that, you know. Um, I, 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 I'm skeptical that, uh, the people who work on the show would have that interpretation that yeah, you have when they're making it. I agree. So I, I'm, I'm naturally would. It's. I don't know why why Cinder needs to look as fabulous as she does all the time. It doesn't really make sense a lot. Uh, I will say I didn't. I didn't enjoy the shot where it was like her legs then trailing up her skirt. Didn't enjoy that one. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was. It wasn't. I don't think it was terrible. But yeah, I agree. Well, it's like for me, the heels is very like Kill Bill, and yeah, which I think we would have the same the same debate about. I mean, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah I think it's the same debate. The same exact debate for Kill Bill. Uh. So we'll talk more about Cinder and her during the fight scene, which we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, sin, yeah, so the, sin, the White Fang is not a party fire. It's a force of revolution, says Adam. Seems pretty standard from what we've seen from the White Fang. Yeah. Um, Cinder says, I believe our plan will be beneficial, beneficial for all parties involved. Um, then she says, I'm an associate in Vale. He and I are working on a revolution of our own, but we need your forces. So what's interesting about this episode is how much roman is left out of the picture much like all season yeah. and this is kind of the reference to him so it seems like she was working with roman before she recruited the two of them would you agree with that yeah it seems seems like it and i think she would probably want to secure like a base communication before recruiting extra people uh yeah it's so looking at cinder's plan as like using societal oppression and unrest in order to incite uh revolution for her own gain um is kind of how this episode maybe fra- frames that not that that's necessarily new because the the end of last season also would suggest that once we learn that she's working with that adam you can draw that conclusion um i guess the problem is we don't know what own gain means i think it's kind of an interesting concept to use uh societal oppression like that i mean it's not something that's completely new but i think it's interesting enough well, it's 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 interesting in that like, what on earth does it like other than her own power? Why? What? What is Cinder fighting for? Like, what is Cinder? We have want? no. We have no idea. And, and I actually, in I do think this will be. Um, unfortunately, I do think this will turn out to be more of a very similar to Korra and the um, bit, um non-binder equality is that it will probably turn out to be nothing, and it'll be more of um, Cinder wanting. She just needs the force. She just needs the manpower to wow, do what yeah, she that's, to be like. That's super interesting. So you're comparing Cinder to Amon from Legend of Korra's first season. Uh, it turns out Amon wasn't a non-bender, and that he's just using this for his own his own you know power sees. And uh, many people are unsatisfied with that. The difference, I think, the difference is that Amon was like our our face of the non-bender revolution, whereas Cinder is is Adam is our face of the yeah. on a revolution and cinder is seen like associating with that um it's hard to comment until we know literally anything about cinder's motives yeah which i just i really hope it's not what's going to happen because i think it'd be very interesting to see if this is actually going to be something because i mean everything with the non-bender movement was very um it just wasn't 
satisfying yeah. at all. What would it take to have satisfying motives for Cinder, especially with uh, related with regard to the White Fang? Does it have to? Does her cause have to be related to uh, uh, to the fauna somehow, or like? Well, I would assume it has to be some form of like. Like the only thing I could possibly think of, which makes it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And again, we're introducing new mythology, so they could literally pull something out of nowhere and do it. But maybe something like they need to be free of like the hunter, the hunters and the huntresses, and like something equality for all people or something. Like I don't know. Like it makes no sense. I mean, I would enjoy to see something. This could be some kind of like unifying thing for the humans and the faunus, but I just don't know. I highly, highly doubt it will be satisfying. But the only way I can think of like, and granted, even doing like the equality for all people, like, yeah, obviously that's great. I'm all for that. But like, I don't know if they can do it in a way that's like not irritating or like clearly like dumb in like approaching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't, I don't see a do call. I don't see this being like a, a, sel- a selfless cause that Cinder could yeah, latch onto. I don't think we've been presented with anything that makes sense in that regard. Like, I, I'm definitely seeing Cinder betraying Adam and like Adam dying in some horrible way, and then with with Blake there, of course. I can then, I can see people. It would make sense for Cinder to be working for that would be kind of satisfying, and we'll talk about that in a in yeah. a little bit. But in terms of just why, um, the like I think the only thing that I think what's going to happen is that Cinder's a lackey, right? So, yeah. uh, and the problem is, I do hope I do hope it's not like a dark. I'm going to say Avatar thing because like literally this mythology is Avatar, but yeah, yeah. I really hope it's not like a dark. Like I do not want Unavatu on Ruby. Like please no, because I'm that is what I, I think that is a concern we should have is that whoever Cinder is serving is like the anti power to because naturally you have to have balance. So you would have to have like these opposing forces. Yes, they're the seasons, but they're also like unbelievably powerful. And so we could you know or someone seeking that power or someone who has somehow like managed has done what cinder has done and has gathered power and is and it wants the you know is like the ant the is like is the opposition force and i think that it's something we should be concerned about that we'll have like this like anti kind of unavatu thing we are 100 percent doing the dark avatar plot line um there is no doubt in my mind that that is where we're going with this uh and and we are referencing book two of the legend of Korra, where uh where unavatu tried to like uh, who cares um that was a bad plot so it's like the stealing the powers of the avatar and stuff like that right so uh or an evil version of the avatar in this case like, it seems, in this case it seems like it's stealing and stuff like that I honestly, I will be more satisfied if it's Cinder and she is a lackey, but she's she's a lackey, and I'm really just hoping it's not like she's serving some dark force. Like, please, no. The problem is if Cinder is your dark avatar and she's also a lackey, then it's just it's like your ultimate power isn't even in charge. I don't, it just seems super unsatisfying. You know, well, that's what I mean. I don't want dark avatar, but I'm just like I don't like. I am really concerned that Cinder is serving some dark power, like some something that opposes. Um, why can't I say, um, like, Ozpin, whatever they are, the, the guardian, the, what did, what did we call guardian, them? Whatever they are. Yeah. That's why I couldn't remember what we decided they were. I don't remember what we decided. Yeah. Uh, whatever they their group. Yeah. Okay. So let's, we'll talk about, let's put, put that on pause for a second. Cause we need to get the last, uh, voiceover in order to fully talk about that. Um, one enter uh, yeah, they want to entertain dying for a human cause. Um, and then, but then the interesting part of the scene, cause I think all that's kind of standard and maybe took too long was, uh, what what was that about? Says Blake as she comes up to Adam afterwards, and Adam says nothing. We need to finish preparing. Blake spoke. 
she spoke for the first time in like a lot of episodes. My child arrived. At last. Nothing. We need to finish preparing the train. We'll be here at dawn. Um, the train referencing the black trailer with. So suddenly, <laughs> these pre-show trailers are super relevant in uh, in Ruby. This is the second time we've had uh, like a, a, a pre-season one trailer come up for some reason. Like, and they weren't relevant ever. I mean, the Yang's trailer was relevant before. Um, in season one i think right and i guess ruby's is relevant at the beginning of the season and now we've had the last one come into play so we kind of see the before the train being the parting of blake and adam and this being their last scene uh together of note blake does not see see them she comes in right afterwards this is something we're gonna have to talk about why doesn't anyone know who they are if so many people interacted with them Blake came in right afterwards, so I'm gonna buy Blake not knowing who they are because she did not was not part yeah. of that meeting. Which is also weird that she wasn't part of the meeting. Yeah, I mean maybe that's part of the maybe Adam already distrusted her at that point. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know much about that. So, okay, so next scene we can finally get to our our big fight scene here. Attacking uh, Amber. What is she? The Autumn. What is it? What are yeah. Maiden. Yeah, Maiden. There you go. It's automated. Yeah. Um, also, LOL, on a horse, riding very casually. What do you think of her being on a horse? Uh, it wanted, like, I, it really shouldn't have weirded me out, but it really weirded me out that she was on a horse. Like, it's so, it's so very not Ruby-like. And I'm like, why is she on a horse? Why? Oh. Yeah, and, I can't think of when horses have came into play. Maybe I'm not remembered, but... Like, Obviously, like, Ruby can, like, they can have horses, that's fine, but I don't know, like, everything we see is some weird, like, mixture of fantasy and sci-fi and magic, and then she's on a horse, and I'm like, what? If it had been, like, a weird robot horse, like, like the Lego movie, if it had been, like, a police horse, I would have been fine. That would have made more sense, yeah. We haven't seen seen many actual animals. (laughs) It was, like, I know it's something like that relation, it really brought me out. I was like, what? Why is she on a horse? Yeah. Okay. Um. I think it was. I guess it was just the show, as per usual with the show. I think it was just a cool visual. That's like the show in a nutshell. It was, like it it was nice. just a cool visual. Okay. Let's do the but, like, the voiceover between the the Adam scene and the Amber scene. Um. So what now? There's another task we must attend to. Excuse me, but I'm looking for a friend of mine. It sounded like Emerald again. This is them fishing for information. Um. Ah. Yes. She was just here yesterday. Yeah. Someone we don't know talking about uh the fall maiden. Remember the plan exactly as discussed, not a foot out of place. This is this was a very literal voiceover. This isn't wasn't as artsy as the previous yeah. ones. Um I do like how they're achieving a lot of uh storytelling within a few few short lines. They're not shying away from having like somewhat complicated concepts like fishing for information from unknown characters within it. I think that could have easily not worked, but I guess it did. Like it was obvious to me that's what they're doing. Well, it's very interesting in that like a lot of times we complain about dialogue in Ruby and then we're really progressing very quickly and it's making a lot of sense with our dialogue. Well, this is the perfect outlet for stale like dialogue. Like we're only getting like five lines within each voiceover. So it's like the typical Ruby dialogue is perfect here, whereas normally it's not satisfying. So like that's why I'm, can, another that's another argument in favor of this as a plot device here. So let's talk about this giant uh, scene with, um, with Amber. Um, so first of all, let's talk about her, uh, her design, um, her, let's hold off on the avatar comparisons. What do you think of stuff about her? Like her staff? I like people, I like people in hoods. That's just, 
I like hoods. Um, her staff is uh, well, just fire we, things we on the end of her staff. Uh, I don't know. We don't. Well, we don't really see it really until the end. Like obviously she has it, but we're not really paying that much attention to it until the end. They, she fires some stuff out of it during the fight. Well, yeah, but like I don't know. Like I wasn't paying as much attention to it until like she was literally going to stab him. Rolled. Okay, so here's what this um, scene is. I I have for you how Monty envisioned the scene. Monty was watching the series finale of Avatar: The Last Airbender. And yep. said, I want that. <laughs> and he took yep. all of that and he put it here. <laughs> and that's what this is. Yep. Um, we have Amber, who is literally the avatar. Um, to be fair, we don't really see her wielding Earth. She just uses the other and three elements. And literally went to the avatar state. She literally goes in the avatar state and she literally gets Aang, Ozai'd, uh, Aang to Ozai at the end. Yes. Literally, Monty's like, okay, I want what Aang's doing to Ozai, except it gets cut off in the middle. <laughs> And that's what yeah. he, that's what we're doing here. And like, then we even had the lightning bolt. We had there's like, a lot of stuff, but like I mean, he uses lightning, she uses ice. I mean, it's it's just well, I meant like I meant like what is you like? She got Ozai and Azula. Did she get Azula? Like the oh, arrow, the arrow, the arrow. Her getting Azula. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. So now, okay, we've had references to Korra books one and two, and Avatar's book two and three now. And to Avatar Book One, we we're talking about the, the the tonal change too. Um, but I mean, this is just clearly this is just clearly Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like, usually, I mean, we come from an Avatar and core background in podcasting and fandom. Uh, to me, though, this is just like the most obvious uh, influence like, that I've even, ever seen. Even out of throwing anything. away the mythology that is just so painfully Avatar. Like, this is like this fight was literally the Avatar. Stage. I know, and I know there's three other Avatars, so she's not the Avatar, but yeah, she, but this is she's, she's an Avatar. She goes into the Avatar state. She's a ball of wind around her. Like, come on, her eyes glow. Her eyes glow, except it's with fire outlining instead of uh, right, and that's the symbol of of her being the maiden and activating her powers. Um, later we see Sam, we see Cinder having the same eye glowing thing and getting the symbols or whatever. That's, did we see that? Yeah. On, we see that symbol on Cinder's back. Did I miss that symbol on Amber or no? I, I will grant an Amber. Her name Amber or Amber? Clothing. I don't, I've been calling her Amber. I do not know her name. Her name's Amber. Okay. I'm sorry. Whatever I'm saying, it's the other one. There you go. Okay. Amber. So she, cause I remember I was like, maybe Amber and Cinder are related, but, um, Ember, like, I didn't, granted, Ember's wearing, like, a lot more clothing than Cinder is, so I think, granted, if you're gonna do that, we should see it on Ember. No, it's, Ember, it's, but it's I Amber, not Ember. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. Ember, oh okay. my god, I'm so confused. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my bad. I don't know. Did you see, did we see the symbol on her or not? Like, that's, that's my No. Concern. No, okay, that's But she's wearing more clothing, but it also doesn't make a lot of sense for, like, to do something like that and not show it on her. Like, I don't know if you, have you seen Bulletproof Monk? No. Okay, never mind. Okay. Uh, seen Bulletproof Monk, and you know what I'm talking about. I'm I'm sorry about that for not having seen the thing that you want to reference. Okay, so this fight scene I think is really great. I think it's obvious Monty worked on it. Um, it's like fast paced. It's really visually unique. I don't care that like you might you might think oh they're literally just doing Avatar. That's criticism. I don't care. Um, if you're gonna make that's it. Fine. That's a good thing. Like Avatar, the, the you think the series of finale of Avatar was unique. Obviously, that's Mike and Brian taking from like literally a bunch of other stuff. So uh, this you don't. I'm not concerned with the appropriation of the story here. I yeah, am. It's not a I, I, I what I'm concerned with is whether it's a good fight scene, and I think it is clearly the best fight scene of the season. It's like yes. uh, uh, Amber's like awesome. I love how she looks. I love how she activates her powers. I love how she's opposed. I love how we simultaneously see the uh reveals of the powers of amber and the reveals of the powers of sin
Binder at the same time, who we haven't really seen fight like this before. Um, it's just, I was. And Mercury's legs. We see Mercury's legs revealed. We see kind of the, the fruits of, uh, this less, less prominent, but we see Mercury and, uh, Emerald come into play with how they, more, more so their interactions with Cinder, I feel like are like not personified, but like represented within the fight. Um, and like I'm making hand gestures while I'm saying this to like, like demonstrate how like I'm passionate about that. This fight scene was awesome and I'm really proud of the show for doing it. This is what the show needs to be. This is what the show is. Like it's like incredibly, I, this is to me is reminiscent of, um, the Emerald Forest and Emerald really the, more, <laughs> more similar sounding words from, uh, from season mm-hmm. one. And like, uh, that's my favorite, the sound, the red roses playing during, um, the takedown of the giant thing at the end with Ruby. Like that's my favorite part of the show that got me so hooked in the Ruby. And I just felt the a similar level of passion here. And like, I, I don't know. I'm hopefully I'm explaining well why I react so positively to this episode. Um, and this is a big part of it. Uh, similar, similar reactions or did or was it, uh, just good? No, I mean, I love this fight. Um, I granted, I mean, I, we have the same favorite fight, and for me, this one isn't as up there with that one. But um, I mean, I loved it. I loved there. There's just a lot that happens in this in this fight scene. I think it's done so well in, in a way that, like, we have Mercury's his legs, and then we have Cinder's power and Amber's power, and it's so. And of course, and it's all wrapped in this um, narration of how Emerald got her, how it tricked her, and it just it's so great. And I do, and yeah, it is Avatar. And for a moment, I was like, "LOL, it's Avatar," and yeah, it's me fine. Too. It, like, it was it a little matter. distracting at first. It, it was... is distracting, and granted, some of the best animated fight scenes ever are from Avatar. So, like, it's, it's not a problem. Like, obviously, they took good notes, and I thought the fight was phenomenal. And especially after that really, really terrible, like, stale winter and crow fight from before, and like, it's just great. We did, li- we did like that fight at the time, but this is like on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, well, I mean, well, well, the thing is, the Winter and Crow fight were like, it wasn't really unique in that, like, it's a fight we've seen before. Yeah. No, I, and, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It wasn't that it was bad. It was just like typical. And this is like kind of yeah. unique for the show. Like, to me, to me now, there's like, this, I had like a, pa- a pantheon of like the three best fight scenes for the show is the Emerald Forest. It was the train at the end of last season. And then it was the last episode of last season with Coco. And to me, this makes number four in the pantheon. Um, like, I loved it that much. Okay. So. Well, yeah. This, and um, this actually, and this is the first fight we've seen where like the intent, like the intent is to kill. Like we know the intent of this fight, and it's very different from like yeah, you have like Ruby, you know, fighting the bad guys, but like it's very it, the intent is very different from this. That's a good point. Talking about the tonal shift of the show, this is uh, much different than fighting Grim. This is like they're they're fighting to incapacitate her and steal the power, right? I mean, maybe which is why. We don't we don't know whether they wanted to kill her or not. It seems yeah. like they didn't, but um yeah. I mean it seems and like they needed her alive for the power transfer and then she would die, right? Yeah. But I do think like this is um like and that's part of the reason why this fight is so spectacular is because of the stakes and how and like and that definitely influenced, you know, like all the powers we got to see and like I don't think we've seen so many semblances going on at once and it's awesome. Like yeah, I when I couldn't keep track of everything. Um, like it's so great so here's a question one of your big criticisms was that uh we're just seeing things that we heard about last episode did that detract like we know the outcome of this fight so did that detract from seeing it for you at all Uh, not the fight like well the fight is one of my favorite parts of the episode and i and part of what i think is definitely like a good 
like aspect of the episode was the fight. And it doesn't, this didn't detract because I think it is very interesting. Now for the other things, it does detract because it's like, why? I don't care. But this is different in that um, there is a certain um, emotion involved and a certain um, way you view things when you know the outcome in this kind of, in this kind of situation. Like it's like when you watch something that's, when you watch, um characters go through something and like you see them struggle and you know it's all pointless and like that kind of feeling as a viewer and like what you know is going to happen but ember doesn't know and i think that is um it's a very powerful thing to watch and i do think um in this case it like in in situations like this in a fight like this and when and especially we've seen her hurt we've seen we saw the marks on her face and you know how close she is to death and i th- Thing. in this case it's done very well knowing the outcome in this situation it's, it's great i, I think and, that if there was a part that would be like diminished because we know the outcome it would be the power transfer at the end but it was like but that was just so striking and like we didn't know that it would just be this weird bug that would come out of her hands no. and like the the tendrils from it, it and was, we didn't know crow yeah we didn't we, we uh you could yeah i didn't i didn't anticipate crow coming but it does make sense with what they've said yeah. this season um, well i mean i was watching it and i was like isn't she supposed to have like bodyguards or something and yeah that's true crow what would you do i mean he's probably like drunk or picking up women or both right probably. yeah um and speaking of we'll talk about where okay back to that in a second so um things we see powers we see some amber a force field which is not avatar to be fair although they're air force fields. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound like it was an air force field. Um, yeah. Air, she does air bending with her staff. Um, we're going to call this bending because that's what it is. <laughs> they, they, they called this magic. So in the show, this is, this is elemental magic, which is literally what bending is. Um, this is, uh, she does fire with the staff. Um, she blows the pants off Mercury, revealing the robotic leg. She goes in the avatar state. She's the fire shining her eyes. She's a wind sphere. Um, the only, the only, uh, sign of earth bending would be the ground crumbling below her wind sphere, which I'm not sure is the result of her manipulating it. But really, really, it just seems like it's fire, uh, fire, air, and water. She also does lightning and ice, which may or may not be separate in this world, you know. Um, lightning ice leaves that was really cool was her ice leaves that was really weird i loved that it was like i didn't dislike it but it was odd it was just really visually striking um yeah but it was like super weird but i liked it i I think it makes sense that she airbends leaves up like i don't think she's manipulating the leaves i think she's airbending them up and then isifying them um that seems like that seems like something that could happen in the avatar world no, that's what I was about to say. It's yeah. very much a Katara move. Like we've yeah. seen Katara. We've seen Katara do that with like ice spikes. Plants. Yeah. Well, what I meant, like, we've seen her take water from plants, so you could theoretically take the water from the leaves and then use okay. that. Okay. Yeah, I, I think she. I, I think the visual was indicating that she's blowing them, but you're right. That would make sense too. I mean, I guess dried leaves probably don't have that much water in them if they're from the ground. Um, like it was, it was definitely. It was also surprising. Like I was like, I just not ex- like you like. There was no way I would have been like, oh, yeah, she's going to put ice on the leaves. Like, no, like, who's going to guess that? Like, I like it was shocking and weird, but I liked it. Yeah. Uh, like, like, who would have figured that I, out? I would call no it one. striking. Yes. Very good. Uh, which means the same. Um, air, fire blast, uh, air, lightning, fire after down. And then she, okay, she uses all the elements again after she's taken down. So Cinder, we all, what's great about the scene, as I mentioned, we also get the reveal of kind of Cinder's powers. I don't know what we've seen of this before. I honestly don't remember Cinder doing stuff. Like we, she's kind of fought before when she like infiltrated the school, but it was not really, it was more of her being evasive. Um, she's super fast and she can like, 
go in and out of uh, vision when she's running. Yeah. Which like she flickers. It's not clear if that's her semblance. It's not clear if the magma stuff is her semblance. Um, well, I mean, it could. Be, I mean, it could be really related to her fire in that, like, she flickers like a flame. Like that would make sense. Uh, I don't know if that's what they're. Yeah, maybe they're going. I mean, for I that. doubt that's what they're going for. No idea. They could be. I could see it. Um, it's cool. It looks cool. It does look cool. She, uh, she creates embers for, around her and turns them into magma daggers. Um, she also has dual blades for hand-to-hand combat she all also she has a bow i don't know where she's keeping all this stuff she has a bow right with a a bow out (laughs) where did that come from does she have like a tardis bag is that what that is like she she has hermione's bag like that's her that's that's what's on her belt she has hermione's bag i think that's what's happening um she has she fires three arrows at once but they also like explode into fire on contact um in addition later on we see her like uh, appear an eye symbol below crow when and uh it like burns under crow so well, that was i think that was after she had the avatar's power so avatar, yeah the okay the, the other time we see the symbol is when she's stealing the power and it's on her end so it's not clear if that, think, it's not clear if that's a sign of her stealing the power or if that's of her stealing ability coming into play like, i think I, that's i think that's the maiden power because like it's 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 the symbol of the eye with the fire so i think that's like how they're related okay okay and that appears when she starts the transfer um yeah i i would need to check it again to see if it's before and then she gets the power and her eye does it and then she uses the symbol so i feel like that's what okay i think that makes more sense um so cinder can do a lot of stuff uh amber is about to stab enrolled with a fire staff with her like where i guess she has a dust gems right on the end um yeah and but then there's an arrow from cinder i feel like that 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 part was a little unrealistic just focusing on one person when you know there's three but maybe she maybe she never saw cinder that well because she's moving in and out i don't know it was also a little weird like i don't know like obviously she's fighting for her life but like i i mean i can't say it's out of character we don't know who she is but i don't know it did strike me as odd yeah um uh, they mercury and emerald uh, hold her up and they stick her head out very very similar to how you have to do in how Aang energy bends in the finale uh a mark on the back of uh they took away her bending that's literally what they took happened. away they literally took away her bending like this is i'm like i said it's avatar series finale they um a mark appears on the back of of cinder's hand and a beetle thing comes out of her hand um and like then it's like it like comes fully out and then it retreats back after it um shoots out the strings tendrils uh, whatever you want to call it um and it connects to what like her or it wraps around her face or something right and then yeah. she gets the fire eyes and the power transfers happen but then crow comes and severs the tendrils that were sticking out but but cinder still has the mark so it shows that she has some of the power uh now this last voiceover to me is like we're not, yeah, agreed, but we're not there. Um, and she obscures her face with embers. Uh, then she does the eye symbol and then she disappears. Okay. So I like that Crow shows up because that explains a lot of what we've seen, like them being afraid of Crow slash Crow knowing them, right? That we get all that explained here. Um, we, so Cinder, Cinder obscures her face. That being said, here's the big suspension of disbelief I think you have to take with this episode is, uh crow not recognizing either cinder you could say okay she obscures her face but there is a moment when crow clearly should see emerald and mercury 
Yeah, um, the Mercury. And uh, I, at first, I was like, "Oh, they weren't there when Crow attacked." But they're look looking back, it's very obvious that they're holding Amber up, and yeah. Crow comes in and severs the thread. So they were they were literally right next to him at one point. Yeah, um, he saw them. So I I can maybe understand him not remembering exactly what they look like. It happened very fast. Um, and they were gone the next second. So. They're gone the next second. Yeah, when he looked around, you could uh, make an argument that Crow is the type of person who would remember Cinder's body specifically. Like that's like we've had that like developments for his character that he's like a big right. So there's that element too, uh, which sounds like a joke, but like I actually think that that could be a plot point with Crow. Yeah, um, it could be. And. It's so I don't know. Where are you on this? Is, is the, did this upset? Did this like ruin your suspension of disbelief with the plot? I mean, really, no, because a lot of it's because simply it's just ridiculous that they've been at like they literally went to the school and like everything that's already happened. Like this isn't even like in comparison to everything else. This isn't even ridiculous. So like it's fine. Like I'm not. It's I don't know. It's really I'm not bought. Like I don't know. These kinds of things don't bother me. At least the show made an attempt to explain yeah. why he wouldn't notice them because they disappear immediately after, right? Like I do, and they definitely played that scene up. So you, for that reason, like him looking around and then yeah. So they, like on its own, okay, this is like okay, Crow doesn't remember them, fine. But then you had Blake earlier, and it's like Blake barely just missed them. Like it's ridiculous. And maybe like, that's a, maybe even that's okay, fine. But it's, then it's like okay, they've been staying in the school for several months, and they like you don't yeah. even know who they are. So it's I think absurd. overall, it just adds to the absurdity of them being able to hide like that. But uh, like this on its own, it's like whatever. Well, know? it's like a Scooby Doo episode where like they constantly like miss the villain. Yeah, and I don't think that's what they they're intending. So it's like a jokes on them type of thing, right? Yeah. I don't think they're yeah. It's 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 they need it's time to reveal them to to everyone. It's it's well yeah. they've got they've stayed well past their welcome with this hiding plot line for sure. And especially since and it's like they don't and they're 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 not even looking for them. Like that's what's so ridiculous about it all. Yeah. Like it's like. <laughs> There's like that's 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 the biggest problem I have with all this. Like there is no sense of urgency to what is going on. Like, it's it's yeah, it's it's very dumb. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna see next. We need to see some good uh backtracking on the plot that's happening. Okay, this this last voiceover. Um transitioning back to a scene with Adam. So we hear I believe this is all there Cinder has four lines here. I believe it's all Cinder. Um we hear, but it could just be, I don't know, it's, I think it is. We hear the Huntsman severed the connection before it was complete. Okay. Yeah, it's Cinder. Okay, I think that that is, I think we could get that without that line, but yeah. yeah. She says, yes, it's an emptiness, it burns like hunger, I like it. Again, presumably Cinder. Yeah, it's Cinder, I, that's what I, I think it's Cinder. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this concept? It's an emptiness, it burns like a hunger, I like it. Like, not having all of the power. It burns. I mean, it makes from a um, fantasy magical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Like, this is how these things function. And like, they even talked about it. Like Ozpin and them talked about how like the power seeks out. And that's why they're afraid of her dying. But the rest of the power will go to Cinder. And like, so they've established this in the mythology, albeit however poorly we want to say it was. Yeah. And also it's really cool dialogue. Like I like it. And then like, it makes a lot of sense. It also makes sense for Cinder's character. I think it's an interesting aspect introduced to Cinder's character. And just from like a like, I really like stuff like this. Like that's like the kind of magic stuff I'm here for. Like I think it's neat. It's interesting. I like the dark kind of weird stuff like that. 
and I think it's great. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, I think this is also one of the most distinguishing aspects of Cinder's character we've gotten, that she, like, hungers for the emptiness that half of the power provides. It's like yeah. it's it's like five words, but, it, like, those five words are more unique about her character than basically anything we've seen, I think. Yeah. Um, I would like this to manifest. I'm not sure her being yeah. completely calm the entire time manifests that. Yeah, that's, like, it's, I'm, I would hope to see, like, a part where, like, you actually, like, her being, like, a little off. I now, I now think we have impetus for her to like freak out, right? Like, yeah, no, just go off when she's fighting. Like, even if, even it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be her just like do something to like her behavior change, but like in a fight that she just like, like fire everywhere, like goes totally Azula in, uh, in the Agni Kai, right? Like that's maybe they're setting that up. I mean, we already, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking. We already had the, the Azula comparison with Cinder earlier with the arrow so maybe that's where we're going um but now we have the same voice or same voiceover presumably cinder's ways so yes i will claim what is ours and then she says thank you okay so all we've we've wondered multiple times whether we're having a big big bad above cinder we both said hopefully not uh this line i don't think definitively says big bad above cinder but at the very least there's a partner to cinder that we don't there's somebody else um here's the first question is there any chance that this is roman i would say no this doesn't make sense with what we've seen of their dynamic with cinder having a power dynamic over roman yes i will claim what is ours does not suggest uh an unequal partnership with cinder being at the top I will say they have set up Roman at this point to like he could come back later and like mess everything up or like have some like something up his sleeve. But I definitely don't think it's like in a way where it's like cooperative with um, Cinder. Okay, so let's say it's not Roman. Um, who who? So okay, let's let's take let's make our bets. Who who is this? So the question is: There any chance that this is a character we do not know yet? I don't think I don't think there's any chance that it's the character we know. Uh, why not? Like it wouldn't like one. There's aren't any characters that I can suspect that would be very much like the show to just pull out like a sister or like yeah. a brother yeah. or. And I, that's what I figure it is. Like I don't, I can't. There's I can't even think of a character who could possibly be unless we're and I grant I'm still I still think Austin is the sketchiest human being. Yeah, no, but, so th- that's what I'm saying. Like but it can't be Austin. Why can't this be Austin? Well, I don't like. It wouldn't make a lot of sense for it to be Austin. Like at this point, like why would it be Austin? Like what kind? And that's, why like, would it? Why would it not be Austin? I don't know. Like for me, they would have to do a lot between like Cinder and Austin. I'm like they can't like. They can't be lovers. Like, they can't be related. Like, I don't even know what they would have to do for me to buy it. Like, I don't even know. And I even, and I think Austin's sketchy, but I don't even, like, I can't even think of any way they could do it and make it Austin and for me to be happy with it. See, I, I feel like, I feel like the big bad needs to be someone we know to in order to, to be somewhat satisfying or like not even the big bad, just a partner to Cinder. And I also not think that it needs. Thing. I also think that, like, a betrayal within this, like, solid group that we've seen would be, like, thematically satisfying. Um, it could be Glinda, and I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I'd see, okay, yeah, so, like, it's either, I mean, to me, it's either Glinda, Osvin, or um, Ironwood, but I also don't think it's Ironwood, because I think that he's clearly being set up to be sketchy too much. 
Yeah. Um, well, really, I think Austin is so sketchy, but like there is nothing I can think of in my mind that could connect. I just, I, I think they're just going to tell us it's Osmond and like not even say anything. Like, yeah. That's I like I, I I'm like twenty okay I'm like twenty percent Osmond on this which is pretty high considering it's. I want it to be Glinda because it makes more sense for it to be Glinda because you wouldn't suspect Glinda yeah. like she doesn't do anything, and then like they could do it in a way where it makes sense for Glinda's character in that like we don't really interact with Glinda. Glinda is also how we meet Ruby, so like that could be like that makes sense, and like you know connecting our hero with our villain. Yeah, but like. And like, so, and Glinda's the reason Ruby's there. Like, why would Glinda? Yes, if Glinda was, why would Glinda want Ruby to be there, though? But then I don't know. We don't. We get the other thing. Like, why? Like, we don't even understand. Well, that's a big thing. Like, I'm, I'm still expecting there's going to be some sort of connection. Like, they wanted Ruby for like, it, it, especially if the villain is Austin, even though I don't think it is. Like, why did he want Ruby there? That's that's the other thing. Austin's like Glinda's the reason Austin met Ruby, but Austin's the reason Ruby's there like, yeah so you threw that you threw that right back at me yeah it works both ways on that um and so like and i'm still expecting like we still have not connected our villains to our heroes like why like, uh, like but there has to be something greater than ruby and them wanting to defend the greater good like they're does that make sense like yes they're heroic and they're great but like there is no reason for them to for like does that like there's nothing going on like, i, don't, I don't i mean i don't know what it would be that would be a better connection well, well, I think they're. Well, my thing is like something else has to happen. Unless, like, in, I mean, like, if there's unless they're like revealed as secondary maidens, right? Like, that's the only thing that. Yeah. Yeah. So here, let me let me make the argument for Osbin. So it being Osbin, I think, is satisfying in that Osbin's a character we've seen a lot, which but we don't uh, we don't know that much about him. So like, you can fill in backstory. It's satisfying to have betrayal within the group, which already has conflict. Um, it's satisfying that Oz that. Um, maybe it explains why they haven't found Cinder within the school yet. Osbin controls that, and he just wouldn't want to find them. Uh, also, it can't be Ironwood. She hacked Ironwood's phone. She did, yes. So it's not Ironwood, I agree. I mean, that could be a misdirect on the show, but I don't yeah. think so. Um, this, it being Osbin, doesn't make sense because why would Cinder need to infiltrate the school to implement the hack? Osbin could just very easily do that. So I think that's the biggest evidence against it. Um, another piece of evidence for it being Osbin is that it would be satisfying with the uh, Osbin versus Ironwood conflict, which we know is building somewhere. Um, yeah. if, if it turns out Osbin's bad and then Ironwood's now our Osbin type figure, that, uh, that is really satisfying from a narrative perspective from someone who's been clearly shown as sketchy to then like, but well intentioned, but like kind of just like, and you, you can like see like a narrative light on him from like a bad guy perspective and to just him just be thrust into as to, into like the completely good role. But then, but then I wouldn't like I wouldn't like where the show would go from there though. Like that wouldn't be satisfying. I'm also I'm be, skeptical that this reveal would be at the end of the season. Like, yeah. are we gonna know who this person is by the end of the season? I feel like I know. I feel like we're playing a long game, and this is like I mean, how I mean, how like we just got to this point, and like we still don't know anything. If you reveal, if you read the 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 recent blog post, it's like there's a long story to go, and now it's gonna be dark from here on out, and it's like the and Miles and Carrie are like. Monty planned with us like seven seasons and it's like, okay, so we're probably not going to reveal the big bad here if that's true. Unless, unless you clearly want a, the season to be a turning point, which it also, it kind of does seem like. And so it's like the turning point And now we have the real big bad at the end of the yeah. season. Um, I, I don't know that, 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 uh, why would Oz, why wouldn't Osmond just implement the hack? I think is a bitty, pretty big argument against it being him. I can't think of a reason for that right now. Well, like, narratively, I want it to be a character we know, but like I, 
aside from Glinda, which just because we don't know anything about Glinda, she's just there all the time, which that does make sense. And that Glinda's there all the time. She doesn't really do anything like she'd be the easiest to like make evil. Does that make sense? The other. Yeah, yeah, she would be the easiest. The other is to explain it. The other big theory I've seen is Raven um, Yang's mother, which we saw for like two seconds, is uh, Cinder's partner in this. Um, That would work. And it's like, yeah. it's like, what? Do, it's how how are we going to discuss that? We know nothing about Raven, right? So yeah, like, there's no. We still don't know I what mean, what happened when Raven approached uh, Yang at the end of last season. So yeah, thanks, Joe, for explaining that and not bringing Ooh. that back until episode seven. So that was fun. No. Um, I will say, um, talking about what I was talking about earlier about, um, like what I mean by we have to connect the villains is that so we understood why they were fighting before. Like they were, we had to go fight the Grim. We found out this information. We're trying to help right now. We're just in a tournament. They have nothing to do. Like they're just in a tournament. They don't know anything that's going on. They think everything's good and happy and woo. And, um, we, Team Ruby? Like, yeah. Well, they, they still like, have this running conflict of uh, them investigating stuff from, yeah, like they want to know, but the thing is like, they don't like, does it like, they're not doing anything at this moment. Like they know something's going to happen, but like they're like there's nothing going on. Like they're there's nothing at happening right now. Yeah, like they're going at the festival, and so right now it's all fun and games in the festival. Like that's what is going on, and like they don't know that they've acted at the festival. They don't know they're literally sitting like three feet over from like the bad guys, and they don't know. Yeah, they're, you're right. There needs to be something to thrust Team Ruby back into the conflict. And I'm assuming it's because of Yang. Like, and I think I made that prediction like last time we talked about this was that it'll be Yang. Like. And I and I'm and we've been built up to Team Ruby will fall so low, and I think yeah, yeah this is the beginning, and it's not just going to be Yang. Like we we have to drop very low at this point because Ruby's been because Team Ruby's been built up to be basically unstoppable, and and so we have to drop. Like we have got to reach rock bottom for Team Ruby, and then go from there. And I don't know if like like one Yang. So Yang has been. Uh, well, we don't. Even, well, we don't even know what they're gonna do with Yang. Like, so thoughts on Yang betraying Team Ruby. Um, so if Raven is indeed the big bad, let's. So here's the theory: Raven talks to Yang at the end of last season. Um, somehow convinces Yang to join up with her. This whole thing at the end is staged. Uh, Yang's actually in on it, and now they'll take her from jail or whatever to. And now she's with the villains or something, and that's how Ruby reaches rock bottom. That'd be super interesting, but I don't think it would work. Like it doesn't um, make so much sense. It's it's thematically. It's, I like like Osbin. I think it's like thematically satisfying. But yeah, like, also I like just don't think it works with what we've seen. Right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't make sense with Yang's character. Like, obviously, wants to know about her mom, but like she wouldn't abandon Ruby like that. Like on one hand, it makes sense because we don't know anything about Yang. Like yeah. she's like super undeveloped, but on the other hand, all we been, we know that she loves Ruby, right? So I don't think Yeah. Like, and I don't and and when it came down to a fight, I don't think Yang could hurt Ruby. No, which could be a plot point, but I think yeah. that's something to consider. So, I mean, that would be interesting. Like I really like that idea thematically, but I also don't know if it can be done in a way that wouldn't be like terrible. I, I think the show will do something like that. I think it, they'll do a Yang betrayal or an Osman reveal. I think something or, like well, that's going to happen. I don't necessarily know if it'll be like a Yang betrayal so much as like Yang's in prison and get her. Like, I don't necessarily know if Yang will have a choice. Uh, okay. Yeah, I could see to that. To me, that would work better. Like, to me, that would make more sense. And then, and then that even throws in the whole, 
they think she betrayed them, but she's not like she has no control over what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Raven would order them to hurt to have Yang to like scar Yang like this and then take her back. Um, Raven being the bad also is satisfying on a level of she's their former teammate. Uh, so it's like a betrayal to Crow and uh, to Crow Ozpin, right? And yeah, so. I don't know what they're doing with all this. Um, But I think something like this is coming and these are the type of things we should theorize because something narratively needs to happen. You're right. Uh, I do really hope it's not like Blake. Like I don't want it to like, I don't want Adam to come back and like they do something stupid with Blake. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Blake quickly. People think Blake's going to die. No, that's terrible. I don't know why. I haven't really read like the theory in depth, but people think Blake's dying. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I mean, I predict, I think I said it before, like, I do expect someone on Team Ruby to die. I guess that's why we need the content warning. <laughs> Someone's dying. Yeah. And in, the post, think... in the post, they're like, this isn't necessarily ne- immediately applicable, but we need to post it now before <laughs> before it gets too late. Basically, they say that. Like, well, because, like, I was, I think I mentioned, like, like what, I think I've, because I've talked about, like, we have, like, they've set them up to fall. And, like, I'm, like I don't know if there's somebody's going to hurt, somebody's going to die. Um, like, I think they will kill someone off. Like they're going to kill somebody off. Oh, people also think Pure is dying. I I think that's probably a definite yes. They're going to kill her off. I don't, know like, po- one, I don't know what the point of that is. Well, what's the point of killing Blake off? Like I would at least have like an an impact on our characters. Like well, it would. Well, killing Pure would have an impact on the characters. Yeah, as well. it just wouldn't be as strong. As it just wouldn't be that strong, you know. Can't, well, killing Pyrrha would serve a plot purpose. Because she's like, involved in all this now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, killing her would serve that purpose. Like, killing, I mean, what, like, the only way I can see Blake dying is, like, her sacrificing herself or, like, because. Okay. Also, why are we going to kill the most well developed character? Why? Why would we do that? That's a I mean, terrible I, idea. I think, I think Weiss is surpassed at this point, but. Well, it's well, like has Weiss, not talked this season, but. Well, that's true. Well, no, I don't think, I don't necessarily think, like, because. You agreed. Blake you agreed more, with me that Weiss was now the most developed character earlier this season. But Blake is more consistent. Like Blake's character is more consistent but through seasons. Make- through seasons one and two, Blake had the most consistent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Characterization. I agree. Um, this season she's just fallen off a cliff, though. Yeah, we just haven't seen Blake, yeah. and and like killing her would like why would like, like killing Blake or Weiss would make a lot of sense. Like, why would you do that? And um, killing killing Blake makes sense if the and show, I mean if- Blake has more background. That's right. Blake has more background than Weiss, and it's more and it's more involved with the plot, which makes sense for killing her, but also doesn't make sense for killing yeah, her because it, she is it makes sense our founding. It, to the it makes sense impact the plot. It doesn't make sense because you undo all that back stuff. Um, I think killing Blake makes the most sense if you start to view what they're trying to do with Ruby as a uh, Game of Thrones of the One Hundred uh, shows where you're more free with um, the cat like you're more free with like getting rid of people in order to progress like plots and also it's like some sort of shock value involved i mean i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the best at explaining why game of thrones i also think not having blake this season and then killing her is just gonna completely defeat the purpose of killing her i i agree with that i don't understand why they would not show her that much if they're just gonna do that I mean, it would decrease like the like the pain, I guess. Except not really, because Blake's like my fave. But um, and but like then that completely removes like the emotional trauma of killing Blake off. Yeah. Um. So let's do let's do the uh, Ruby Death Watch 
much. Uh, primary target Pira, I think we agree. Yeah, um, Pira, I think there is actually no doubt in my mind that Pira will die. I I have doubt because I don't understand what it would do, but at the same time, it seems like the show is going to do that. Uh, it seems like, like they foreshadowed I see, that. I could even seeing it very, being very soon. Like there's some sort of accident with the transfer and she dies. Like yeah. for me, that's what I think is going to happen. Who else is likely to die? We have Blake as somewhat likely. Um, yeah. Any Ruby's not dying. Any chance of uh, Yang or Weiss? I feel like killing Weiss would be like atrocious, but would also like would destroy Ruby's character. And I think that would be they could do it for the sake of Ruby. But my thing is, I don't know at this point. It doesn't make sense why they would do that. Like, why would they need to shatter Ruby that way? Uh, agree, except for the rock bottom type thing you were talking about. Yeah, but well, I mean, yeah. we need to hit rock bottom, but like. Right now, I need Team Ruby to hit rock bottom. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. the Team Ruby has to hit Unless, rock. unless like, you want to go, no like, super dark, uh, character Ruby for, from, like, from then I mean, on. I mean, I can see them doing that, but right now, I don't know why. Like, we don't, we don't, right now, I don't understand why we need Ruby to have that moment. Like, for plot, for what's going on, there's no reason for that to happen right now. I mean, that can change. Like, we could, at the end of the season, I'm like, okay, we gotta destroy Ruby as a person. We need to, like, destroy her. But right now, like, I don't, there's no reason. Team Ruby needs to hit rock bottom because they've been, like, flying high the whole time. Like, that has to happen. Yeah. Because Team Ruby hasn't really, Team Ruby, until this point, has not had anything bad. This, this like, season. This season. Yeah. yeah. There's been no, well, I mean, like, as a unit, as a team, aside from, like, the Blake thing, there hasn't been anything to, like, challenge their power, their superiority, like, their ability to do anything. Nothing has happened yet. So, well, like, this Yang thing is the beginning of what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. This yeah. is that. This is the beginning. That's why this has to happen. Going to yeah, to jail or whatever. You know, I, whatever's I gonna think, happen. I so. think I did predict before this happened that like we had to have this moment before yeah. Yang. I mean, we need to predict. just do something. So yeah, like they have to because we have to. They have to hit rock bottom and then we have to go from there. Um, I, I would go. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Ruby needs to. They need to do that to Ruby. I think Yang is like slightly more likely than Weiss, just because of some of the reasons of her, of the reason I think she could be turned bad. But at the same time, that would. Uh, have the same effects on Ruby, which we don't think are happening. Yeah, I am concerned they're going to try and do something with Blake, and like, it wouldn't it, again. It wouldn't make any sense though for Blake to like betray them. Like, we had a literally entire plotline of why she wouldn't do that. Yeah, Blake's not going to betray them. I agree. Uh, I, I really, I, I really could see her like want... taking Adam down at the same time. Like that would make thematic sense, right? Like, yeah. but like Adam's not even a threat right now. We haven't seen enough of him, so I don't know. Uh. The reason this is kind of this this like big moment talk that usually doesn't happen on these type of shows, and for Ruby, I would say that uh, it's also not likely to happen. Except they're clearly trying to change what the show's about at this point. Yeah. Um. So I think they're just gonna do something like this for the sake of it, basically. Like we're gonna have we're gonna have something. Granted, that's also kind of what this episode was. Um. Well, last the last episode we watched was the of um Yang. Uh, attacking mercury like yeah. that was the that's the like that's it and except it's not it's even very, that it's not that big of a deal <laughs> no it's not yeah. but it's it's i don't know if they i don't know if they know that but it's not even that big of a deal yeah no so, it's not yeah so but, we'll, see, we'll see where they go with this expect something right like this maybe maybe we're misinterpreting this moment and it's like this is supposed to be the moment that satisfies everything we're talking about but i'm not so yeah. sure about that well it's like i would i would expect actually i I'm expecting to be very annoyed by what <laughs> by this moment. Like I'm expecting their like I really am expecting the, like a pointless death. Like I'm almost expecting them to kill off a character just for the sake of development, which like that happens and like it can be done well and it can be okay. 
but I'm also afraid they'll do it and it'll be completely like why like why this does not matter yeah and I mean and I mean they're gonna kill off someone important and it'll be like oh my god why and then it really won't matter uh yeah you need to you need to clearly play up the how the other characters are reacting like, I'm really concerned that's what's going to happen I'm afraid it's gonna happen soon I'm not I'm not really concerned I mean Pura dying I don't think is that it falls into that category so i'm not really that concerned no. except for blake no, like I, I think no. there's a slight I'm worry like, with blake, blake. yeah yeah that's like i think really it's more like, likely than not that she doesn't though so we'll see well like and i don't i don't i certainly don't expect anyone on team ruby to die this season um i think we can probably like we have re- like we're dropping into bottom like we're beginning that descent but we can maybe expect someone to be injured like to the point of like it will be a problem I guess, yeah. But I'm not expecting anyone to. I'm not expecting anyone to maybe to die this season. I don't think it's likely either. Um, okay, back back to the episode quickly. Uh, we we have a few things left. Um, we have uh, Yang and no no no. We have uh, Adam's reactions to what happens. We have the associate saying, "We'll find her, sir. Forget it. It's time our turn." To uh, Miss Minstrel says, uh, "Minstrel says uh, says Adam referencing Blake." glad we got another line about that it kind of ties it together uh they we have our villains outside and uh they have to force the deal with adam and she's like firebending right which seems to be the result of the powers um so it's possible she only has firebending right now and doesn't didn't get air and water i guess that makes sense part part way transfer right uh and then we have our scenes for we flash back to the end of last episode um go to the hospital yang's like you attack me i swear nurse cinder um they fly away we have actually kind of a funny line from mercury oh yeah. doc tell me will i ever walk again i think that was a good line okay. right on that i liked it, it yeah laugh. emerald says uh headache one mine i can handle but two is a stretch very briefly Which, what other mine was she controlling yeah and, that's what i can't i think that's the big i think that's actually like the most important thing right now People, like this, people are like, oh, she's also doing the paramedics, but I don't know why that would make sense. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know who her second think, mind is. Well, I think clearly what the line indicates is that she did two minds at once. So That's it's why Yang it's so and who's the second one, right? Yeah, like who else? For who perceived events differently? Yeah, like because she didn't. She didn't need to do Mercury, and then the crowd or, saw her. Or is or does that just mean that she? altered like because when we see her using her power before it's um her implanting into people's minds of her doing something uh and in this case it was implementing into yang's minds of mercury doing something so maybe two minds mean she has to do it with relation to mercury and not herself i don't think that i don't think that's what it is uh i do i really do think that line's really important in that she somebody else and I don't know who it could be or why it matters, but like I think that's a really important. It will come up later. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I think it might be what. Because for to... me, it doesn't make sense for her to have to do that to Mercury. Like she wouldn't have to do anything to Mercury's mind. But it only it only makes make... sense from the angle that we've what we've seen her all the times previously in this episode was involving herself. It's like from that angle, yeah. it makes sense. But I agree, it doesn't. Like she, why did she need to go inside of Mercury's mind? I don't. Know. She didn't make because because as far as we know. Mercury, like what what she saw was what, like what Amber saw. Like she just she didn't see Mercury. She just saw Mercury. No. She didn't see. She, no, I meant she yeah. didn't see Mercury no, standing I, there. I, she I, saw Mercury attacking. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she altered Mercury's perception. So yeah. I don't. I don't um, understand. 
So uh, maybe we'll see. That could, that could just be like a thing that was not stated very clearly. That is not coming back, but we'll see. Um, and then we have Neo driving. Neo is just the most unsubstantiated character. I love, I lo- I really like Neo, but they better do something quick with her because all they're doing is like, and Neo's here. Isn't she cool? I literally forget who she is. Like when we were talking the like last time and you're like, Neo, I'm like, I don't even know who that is. And then like, when she's in the car, like I didn't know that was Neo. Like I don't know who Neo is. Like I don't. It's uh, yeah. I wonder if like people, if like people who don't look at other as much other stuff. The only reason I know Neo so well is because a lot on uh, CO a lot of fan. There's a lot of fans of her. But that's the thing uh, is like I watch like I watch the show and we talk about it and I don't don't know who Neo is. Like yeah, I wonder if like more casual fans don't. Not that I'm like super into the fandom, but I see some stuff, right? And like I see Ruby and Weiss fan art. That's like the extent. <laughs> that's of, the like, main thing you want to see though, so Well and Blake. And some my Blake. child. Okay. Then we we see uh Lisa Lavender of VNN um calling on Hudsman to uh aid in suppressing the spike of grim activity so we learned that the grit that was their goal i guess was to have the grim set on them uh emerald has a new robot leg um our people are outraged with yang that was another thing um new robot leg emerald and cinder are going to ensure that the next matchup goes smoothly yay we're going back to the tournament no that's not yay that was like the most anticlimactic thing we just come off of this incredible episode and it's like back to what the bad stuff we saw previously. but i granted i also don't know what they're doing because they're like okay because they she made a line like they have to go continue rigging the tournament but why like, why, why are you rigging they, the tournament we still don't wanted? know so dumb like, tell so, us okay like this makes sense so like they rigged it for this to happen that makes sense but like why do they have to continue is this just not what they wanted like what else do they need to do well i think that them rigging it to get this result was a little much like if they they needed to rig the entire tournament just to get this matchup yeah. like i but like it makes but at like, least that was a potential to, explanation but now they're going point. obviously there's something else right yeah, but like, what else is there? Like, I, I don't understand. I need to know immediately because it's. I'm very, very tired of this corner. Um, I'm just. Mercury I'm is going to lay low until the end, says Cinder. So, I don't know if that's the end of the tournament. Or, so yeah, no more Mercury. I think that I think they included that line as to not have Mercury in the show anymore until the finale. I think that's the purpose of that yeah. line. Uh, yeah. So. If we had a line like that about Blake, I might have been okay. But where is Blake? I mean, she was in this episode, but in the backstory. She hasn't been, like, at the festival. <laughs> what is Blake doing? Okay. Where is my so, child? Overall, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick by this. I very, 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 very much liked this. I, like, as you, as you saw through my analyzing, like, I love what happened here, and I'm still frustrated with the direction of the plot. I think both can be true. Um, I'm not super confident that any more episodes of this season will be as good as this one like at all um but i have renewed faith i guess because when we get rid of the final when we get rid of the festival at some point maybe yeah like we need this to end immediately next episode and then we need to uh, do something come on uh I, I need team ruby i need a whole episode of just team ruby i agree with that they've been off the this yeah they've been away for two literally it's literally ruby and like where's team ruby so yeah so my overall viewpoints are uh this episode is incredible that being said um I hated the episode before. We had like my least and favorite episode back to back, and then I the the future outlook of the show, from what I can tell, is not that bright. That being said, it's possible that 
the show sacrificed episode six in order to get a cooler future. Like you have one terrible episode introducing all this exposition and it's like, okay, that's super unsatisfying because we didn't know any of that before, but now we can run with the cool exposition. So I guess that's okay. Um, I mean, I disagree, but like, I'm I'm not, if if the show just keeps doing stuff with the maidens, you're just going to have to, you like, you will get over it, right? Like shows do that. And yeah, you're just gonna like it's just gonna be a thing right and it's 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 this episode doesn't let, let me be clear on this this episode doesn't make uh episode six good like the episode's still terrible <laughs> and i kind of hate what they do with that like just because it sets up this one that doesn't mean that it's like any more successful they still all the faults that they had in that still can be like still could have not happened <laughs> like you could have worked the maidens in earlier you could have just not uh had all that terrible terrible dialogue and stuff like that um yeah i think we're on the same page on skeptical for the future season yes we'll see though i'm i'm more open now and i'm hoping that at the very least if we do when we do stuff with the maidens at least we know now that it'll look cool you know so well i'm at least like i am confident that like something big is going to happen and it might be okay but like i'm really expecting to be severely disappointed by what's to come I yeah I I agree like I'm 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 thinking that you'll either get a big death or a big reveal of like Osmond or something and I don't anticipate being satisfied but at the very least something will happen at the very it'll least it'll cool. accomplish a plot thing that we're complaining about you know so yeah okay um what else did I not talk about final thoughts um I honestly don't know how long we've been going because we had multiple it's, <laughs> calls it's, and drops but I'm I actually anticipate this almost being two hours. Um, yeah, I think we're closer to two hours than one hour right now. Yeah. So okay. I um I will say I am after talking about it, I am very, very slightly higher on this episode than I was previously, but I still like I don't know. Like I I don't know what it is about this episode that I just just rubs me the way. I mean, I can way. understand see you seeing this uh the narrative devices that they use as like not reacting well to it. Like I think it's a risky element. I just reacted very well to it. So let us know, because this is probably the most Delaney and I have disagreed on an episode in a long while on this. So let us know whether you loved it, whether you thought it was okay, whether you even maybe disliked it. Um you can comment on YouTube comments if you're watching there. You can comment on overlyanimated.com, click on this podcast and leave me a comment there, or you can um, send Tumblr asks, reblog the podcast, stuff like that. Uh, uh, also, if you've seen Bulletproof Monk, message me. You did this before with something. You did this exact same thing. You're like, if you saw somebody this, message this, me. Somebody messaged me. And too, like and one like, person yeah. messaged you. That's all I, that's all I need to <laughs> prove you wrong. I just need one person. Okay. That's it. Uh, I'm doing this. You're like, no one's going to message you in one person. No one's going to no message you about this. I'm See, so, if I get one person, it's fine. I'm Dylan Nice, and that's Delaney Stilval. You can find out more about this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can find all of our links there. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Did you enjoy this probably two hours Ruby in-depth discussion? Probably more in-depth than you'll find most places. Cool. Then you should support us so we can keep doing it. Um, Thanks to our current patrons, Shayna, Mitch Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, uh, Jamie, and new patron, Rachel, um, which I didn't even tell you about. So it's, yeah, start thinking yeah, of nickname like for surprised. Rachel. I don't know if Rachel, I know who Rachel is on Tumblr, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know if she um, listens to Ruby Podcast, so I don't know if she'll hear this anyway, but um, maybe she does. Uh, we can only figure out, we can only give her a nickname if we know like what she well, watches. Well, Rachel's are in, I, she watches Rebels and Gravity Falls, I know that for sure. Uh, I'm trying to okay. think of ones. Um, Haina, Fever Mitch, Kodai University, Beatrix, Strange, Buzz Like Your Mailman, and pending nickname for Rachel. We will, we'll... uh, right now it can be Darth Rachel, and we'll figure it out. Oh, that's dumb. 
It's Rebels. I don't know. Stop. I almost said Rebel Racing. Come on, get it together. That was bad. Oh, yeah, because, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, none of us are even allowed to speak name. It's only Sam who can nickname people. I feel like other people have. These are not all Mel has given one nickname, and Sam is very mad about it. So. Who is Buzz Lightyear? Was that I not swear you? it might have been me. I don't either know. Either you or Sam, I'm not sure. Okay, anyway. Uh, Again, it's either here. All of these, Sam has been involved in all of the conversations. Well, you just need to be more creative. That's the solution to that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, let us let us know what you thought of this. I'm curious to see you. I honestly, we're recording this. I have not seen much, fit, let's put it this way. I have not seen much fan feedback yet as of when this came out, as of when we're recording this. So, um, I'm, I'm not sure if people love this as much as me, but uh let, let me know and uh last thoughts on any of this a lot happened yeah cool we we discussed it all um hopefully we got we when I, if i said we'll get to this hopefully i got to all of it because sometimes i don't actually get to things when i say we'll get to it later well, and i and i detract a lot because i like to postulate on things postulate yep mm-hmm. yep your vocab word today podcast yeah postulate yep there you go. Uh, we'll be back next week to cover whatever the next episode is, title-wise. I think there is a new one next week, but I'm not sure. I haven't heard confirmation. Um, what was this? This was seven, so we have eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. I don't know if there's confirmed twelve or not, but was there thirteen last year or was there twelve? <laughs> I have no idea. I can look this up. But, yeah, so... Well, I watched them all on Netflix, so I have no I idea. I don't know uh so we'll get to there were 12 last year so potentially only five more episodes so yeah thanks for listening guys we will see you next time bye, bye.